0: If you have a copy of God's Word, look with us the Book of John, Gospel of John, the fourth book of the New Testament, John chapter fifteen, and we'll begin reading with verse twelve. On Sunday nights, we're studying this book, we're studying this gospel, and John gives us more information or different information than Matthew, Mark, and Luke, especially the last day. And so, let me tell you, we'll catch you up what's been taking place. Jesus has had the Lord's Supper. He told the disciples one of them was going to betray him. They didn't know who it was. They thought maybe it was them. They kept saying, is it I, is it I? It was Judas. They had no clue it was going to be Judas. Judas leaves. And then Jesus starts teaching the disciples. I remind you, right now, the disciples have no clue what's about to happen. We read it knowing that Jesus is headed to the cross. They do not know that. They haven't yet figured it out that Jesus is going to literally lay down his life for them. And so they're really really confused by his words as he is teaching them. And so he told them that when he leaves, he's going to send another comforter, which is the Holy Spirit. He told them that through the Holy Spirit, you'll have power. He told them also that they need to abide in him. That's going to be the secret of their life. And we pick up the story in John chapter 15, verse 12, as he continues to tell them some good news but also some bad news. Verse 12. This is my commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that one lays down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends for all things that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You do not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. And this I command you, that you love one another. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this, the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you for my namesake, because they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have sinned. But now they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would not have sinned. But now they have both seen and hated me and my Father as well. But they have done this to fulfill the word that is spoken, that was written in their law. They hated me without a cause. And when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. And you will testify also, because you have been with me from the beginning. Pray with me. <clears throat> Father in heaven, there's so much in this passage. Father, we can spend years just studying verse by verse, word by word. But Father, tonight we pray that you'll be our teacher. Father, we pray your Holy Spirit will guide us so that we'll understand this incredible truth that Jesus is teaching, but also the warning that we'll not be unaware. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. One day a lawyer told his client, I have some good news and I got some bad news. And the client said, well, give me the bad news first. And the lawyer said, well, the bad news is the DNA test showed that it was your blood found all over the crime scene. And the client said, oh man, that's terrible. I'll be convicted. But what's the good news? The lawyer said, your cholesterol is only 110. Okay, I know you didn't like that joke. I liked it, okay? I like good news, bad, no, bad news jokes. Well, in our text tonight, Jesus is not going to give a joke, but he's going to give us some good news and some bad news. But the good news is greater than the bad news. And so you have to take this as a, as a whole section. You just can't look at one part. He's going to give us some good news, then bad news, and then remind us the good news is greater than the bad news. So let's look at it tonight. The first is the good news. He says, we have a friend who loves us. Beginning in verse 12, this is my commandment that you love one another just as I have love for you. Greater love has no one than this that one lays down his life for his friends. And then in verse 14, you are my friends if you do what I command you. Jesus told them that night. He changes something here. He said, I am going to call you friends, not servants, not disciples. I'm going to call you friends. Now, this is revolutionary. Now, we may not get it in the 21st century, but what Jesus is saying is revolutionary. He is saying you can be friends with the Creator. That's so rare. I mean, in the Old Testament, we know the story of Abraham. Abraham was called the friend of God. We do know that the Bible talked about Moses. He, he spoke to God face-to-face as one speaks to a friend. So the idea of having God as your friend is extraordinary. And that's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, you are going to be my friends. By the way, he's saying this to us tonight too. There are many definitions of friends. Years ago, there was an article in the New York Times who said you cannot even define friend. There was a book written by a sociologist, spent 300 pages to say I can tell you what a friend is not, but I can't tell you what a friend is. I got news for you. I can tell you what a friend is because the Bible tells us what a friend is. Book of Proverbs chapter 17, verse 17 says a friend loves at all times. That's a friend. A friend is someone who loves you. You may have many acquaintances in life, and you'd be rich if you have just one friend, but a friend is someone who's always be there. Someone said a friend is someone who walks in when everyone else walks out. That's a friend. Jesus says to the disciples, he says to us tonight, you are my friends if you listen to me, if you obey me. And in this passage, what Jesus is going to do, he's going to give us three characteristics of us being his friends. Three characteristics. He said, first of all, we will love one another just as he loved us. Look at verse 17. This I command you that you love one another. He says, I love you. I give you a command to love one another. And if you are my friends, you are going to love others just as I have loved you. Now, by the way, if this sounds familiar, we've already looked at this. In John chapter 13, Jesus has already said this. He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Then he says, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. He said this already the same night. Now, why would Jesus do this? Why would Jesus repeat himself? Because he's the master teacher. And he understands that repetition is how we learn. So he's telling the disciples all through the night, I'm going to love you, I love you, and you're to love one another. If you are friends with Jesus, this is what he's saying, you are going to love one another. By the way, think about the opposite. If you struggle with loving others, then you need to check your friendship with Jesus. He says we love one another just as he, he loved us. But secondly, he said we are willing to sacrifice anything for Jesus. We're willing to sacrifice anything for Jesus. You know, when it comes to friendship, we know the depth of friends' love by what they give up, what they will sacrifice. Look at verse 13. Jesus said, greater love has no one than this, that one lays down his life for his friends. Friends make sacrifices. The greatest sacrifice you can make is your life. You know, sacrificing the last piece of cake is is one thing. That's major, by the way. But sacrificing a career is something else. Sacrificing not watching your favorite TV show is one thing, but sacrificing a kidney is something else. Obviously, if someone sacrifices his life, what greater love is there to say, I give everything for you? That's what Jesus did for us. Jesus loved us so much, he gave his life for us. I love the story, a true story that Chuck Colson told years ago about a group of POWs in World War II. There were 20 soldiers on a the detail. They were coming back. They were supposed to have 20 men, 20 shovels. The guard counted the shovels, only counted 19. They lined up the soldiers and said, where's the shovel? One of you hid the shovel. One of you is trying to escape. Who did it? No one stepped forward. And so they said, if you do not step forward, we're going to kill five of you. And we'll kill five each time until someone makes the confession that who did this. And finally, a 19-year-old American soldier stepped forward, head down, said, I did it. And they took that American soldier, took him to the side, put a gun to his head, and killed him. And they came back to count. When they gathered the shovels again, they counted 20. They had miscounted. Why would this soldier, why would this 19-year-old step forward to say, I did it? Because he loved those men. Those were his friends. He was willing to lay down his life so they wouldn't die. Jesus said, there's no greater love than this. True love is always about sacrifice. Now, again, the disciples didn't get this. Okay, they're, they're with Jesus, and they're hearing this, but they do not understand that before the end of the night, everything's going to change. Jesus did. Jesus knew that in the next day that he would be uh, ordained ordained from the foundation of the world when the Lamb of God would be sacrificed. He knew he was going to die. He knew they were going to take him, try him, crucify him, and he was going to die. And he's telling the disciples this, but they didn't get it. That's why Jesus is saying to them, no one has greater love than this to lay down his life for his friends. Jesus was going to sacrifice himself for us. And the question is, if we are his friends, what are we sacrificing for him? If if love is about sacrifice, and if we love Jesus, therefore, what are we sacrificing? Third thing, characteristic, we're willing to do what Jesus asks. If you're a friend of Jesus, you're willing to do what Jesus asks. You know, a real friend will always serve you gladly. Isn't that true? You don't have to ask a friend to do something. They'll come and help you. A true friend will go out of his way to help you. And Jesus said, you are my friends and you will do what I ask. Look at verse 14. He said, you are my friends if you do what I command you. Jesus modeled that servanthood that night when he washed the feet of the disciples. And he wanted them to follow that example. You see, there is a difference between a servant and a friend. A servant does what the master commands because he is hired to do it. He has to do it a friend will gladly serve because he loves the master. In John chapter 14, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. You're not going to do it because you have to. You're going to keep my commandments because you love me. You're going to be willing to do what I ask. Now, there's something powerful about doing that for a friend. I love the story in the Old Testament. David He's hiding in a cave, the Philistines all around him They control his hometown Bethlehem. And and David said, oh, if I could only have a drink of water from Bethlehem. Oh, if I could only have a drink of water from Bethlehem. And three of his mighty men heard that. They, in the middle of the night, escaped, went to Bethlehem and brought back a cup of water from Bethlehem. They risked their lives to bring back some water. They gave it to David, and David was so moved by their act of bravery, he refused to drink the water. Remember what he did? He poured it on the ground as an offering. They were willing to do. What was asked? Oh, if only I had some water. There's a modern version of the story. Preacher in Florida, true story. Preacher in Florida was having trouble at his church. There was a group of people wanted to, to fire him. He was struggling. He made a comment, by he used to serve in North Alabama. He said, there, there's a spring in North Alabama. He said, I used to go that spring, and, and I would just pray to God, and God just gave me wisdom. I wish I could just go that, that spring and just pray to God one more time. On Saturday, three deacons drove all day from Florida to North Alabama, found the spring, and got some water. Then they drove all night, Saturday night, came to the pastor's office on Sunday morning. And they presented it to him before he preached his sermon. They said, Pastor, we are your friends. And you mentioned this spring. And we wanted you to have that water to know that God is still with you. The pastor telling the story said at that moment he realized he could face anything, not only because of God, but because of three friends who sacrificed driving 24 hours to bring him a cup of water. You see, we are Jesus' friends, and if we love him, then we're going to do what he tells us to do, including love one another. Look at verse 9. John 15, back back in verse 9. Just as the fathers loved me, I have also loved you, abiding in my love. Jesus said, you are my friends. I love you. And I'll do anything for you. I will sacrifice for you. But the love that Jesus has for us, we are to do for him. Now, if we stop tonight at that point, it's great. We'll feel good. But now Jesus is going to give us the bad news. We have enemies who oppose us. The good news, as Jesus is laying it out, he said, the good news is you are my friends. But the bad news, you have enemies who will oppose you. Now, again, these words are going to take new meaning to the disciples later on. Right now, they don't get it. Not long after Jesus spoke these words, the enemies of Jesus are going to come and to arrest him. He's going to be turned over to the Romans. They're going to torture Jesus, nail him to a cross. If you go to the book of Acts, you'll see the persecution of the early church. Everywhere they went, they were persecuted. They were being hated all over the world because of Jesus. Jesus is saying, look, i got some news for you. You have enemies that will oppose you. We should never be surprised that people don't like us in the world. The Bible teaches that really you are either a friend of Jesus or you're a friend of the world. And if you're a friend of Jesus, the world is going to hate you. Now, why? I mean, we're likable. Well, some of us are. I mean, why would the world hate us? But Jesus tells us. The world hates us because it hates Jesus. That's what he says in verse 18 through 25. As he's talking, he's really showing us that hatred or love for Jesus is what divides or unites people. Look at verse 17 again. He said, This I command you that you love one another. Now look at verse 18. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. What a contrast. I mean, one verse he's saying, Hey, you're loved. The next verse, you're hated. He said, you're going to be hated by the world. Now, that word world means the the organized system of of satanic domain on this planet. It's what John also writes about in 1 John 5, verse 19, when he talks about that we know that we are of God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. We live in a demonic world. That's what he's saying here. And Jesus says in verse 18, if the world hate you, you know that it hated me first. Now, by the way, in the Greek language, that word if is not mean uncertain. Literally, it means if the world hates you and it will. There's emphasis there. Jesus says, you're going to be hated by the world if you serve me. You're not going to get out of it. He who hates me hates the Father also, Jesus said. So he is saying, if you love me, the world's going to hate you because they hate me and they hate the Father. Now, you may wonder, well, wait a minute. Why does Jesus say the world hates both him and the Father? I mean, my friends who are unbelievers won't say that. And that's true. If you go and ask unbelievers, do you hate Jesus, they're not going to say yes. If you say, do you hate the Father, they're not going to say yes. If you say, hey, do you serve Satan, they're not going to say yes. But Jesus says, in reality, they are. There's a line in the sand, you either serve God or you don't serve God. You're either of the world or you're of the devil. That's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is painting this picture of black and white. There is no gray. He said, you're going to be hated by the world. Either you're loved by Jesus and his father or you love the world. It's kind of like a boat leaving the dock. You're either on board or you're not. You can't straddle both. And so Jesus said, the world hates us because it hates Jesus. But also it says, the world hates us because Jesus exposes sin. Look at verse 22. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have sinned, but now they have no excuse for their sin. Look at verse 24. If I had not done among them the works which no one else did, talking about the miracles, they would not have sinned, but now they have both seen and hated me and my father as well. Now, let me, he's not, what he's not saying, he's not saying, hey, if I didn't come, they would not have sinned. No, what he's saying is, if I had not come, I would not expose their sin. When Jesus came, he exposed our sinfulness. He confronted them with their sin. That's why the world hates us, because we stand on the Word of God, and because we stand on the Word of God, we remind the world they sinned. If you live in obedience to Jesus Christ, you will always threaten unbelievers in your family, at school, and at work because you're living a godly life and they can't handle it. You're exposing them. It bothers them. That's why the world hates us, because of our moral position of the Word of God. Now, people get mad at me all the time. I mean, I'm kind of used to it by now. I mean, I I know there are people out there that, that don't like me because of my standing about the you know, uh, on biblical principles. I know there are people who are mad at me because of my position on homosexual behavior. I know people are mad at me because I say that Jesus is the only way to salvation. I know there are people mad at me because of my, my position on forgiveness. I know people are mad at me because of my position that God's word is, is the only word of God. The world is going to hate you. And that's what Jesus is saying but even though the world hates us, we need to testify to the world that God is here through Christ to save us. So the world hates us, but we gotta love them to tell them the gospel. Now, if you've been following along here, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, how can we face this hostile world? What well, Jesus shows us. He says in verse 26, he said, the spirit of truth testifies to Jesus. Verse 26. When the helper comes, remember, he's already talked about this. This is the comforter. This is the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. That's how we share the gospel. We do it through the Holy Spirit. Listen, if you you do this on your own power, you're going to fail. Okay? You cannot face the world on your own power. And Jesus said, the Holy Spirit is going to be my witness to the world. That's why the apostle Peter in Acts chapter 5, he said, we are witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. So we have the advantage over the world. We have the Holy Spirit who is going to testify. But also, we testify. That's what he said in verse 27. The Holy Spirit will testify, verse 26, verse 27, and you. We'll testify also, because you have been with me from the beginning. You see what he's saying? Here's how we face the world. The Holy Spirit is convicting the world of its sins. But we also have to speak through, with the Holy Spirit speaking through us. The temptation is, well, let the Holy Spirit do it, but I'm not going to get involved. I'm not going to share my faith. I'm not going to tell anybody about Christ. I, God will, will get them somehow. God does not give us that option. He said, the Holy Spirit is going to be testifying, but you, you testify through the Holy Spirit. That is how we face a hostile world. The world hates us. And Jesus said the Holy Spirit will use believers, he will use us, to tell the truth about Jesus. One Bible scholar said this, without the witness of the Spirit, the disciples' witness would be powerless Without the disciples' witness, the spirit will be restricted in its means of expression. We must share the gospel to a lost world even though they hate us. Now, you may be thinking tonight, how do I handle the world hating me? Let me give you some ways that we need to hold on to while the world hates us. Number one, don't take it personally. Okay, that's what Jesus is saying. They hate you because they hated me first. It's not about you. It's about God. We can't take it personally. The reason the world hates me is because I point to Jesus. The reason the world hates me is because I love Jesus. It's not personal. It's not anything about me. It's about Jesus. The world thinks we're condemning them, and all we're doing is being the salt and light that God told us to be. And so sometimes we start taking it personal, and we start beating ourselves up. Well, maybe it's my personality. Maybe it's me. Maybe it's the way I look. No, Jesus said it's all about Jesus. That's why they hate you. Number two, don't retaliate. Don't retaliate. This may be the hardest thing, but Christians, we have to understand when the world attacks, we cannot retaliate. We can't have that last word. We can't use passive-aggressive anger. We can't rush to social media and attack the world with our words because the Bible says, Romans chapter 12, if possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone friends he goes on to say do not avenge yourself instead leave room for God's wrath because it is written vengeance belong to me I will repay says the Lord God says you don't have to retaliate you don't have to get the last word you don't have to look good in this battle don't retaliate now later on in the story we're going to see something when they come to arrest Jesus remember what Peter did Peter took out a sword and said I may be a fisherman but I can take that guy's head off he misses the head, but cut off an ear. Jesus said, Peter, what are you doing? Put the sword away. The person who lives by the sword will die by the sword. You, you live by retaliation, you're going to die by retaliation. He said, Peter, don't you realize if I wanted to, I, I could send 12 legions of angels to protect me. That's 72,000 angels. Peter, don't retaliate. In fact, Luke t- tells us that he healed the man. Some of you, it's very tempting to have that sword of retaliation drawn. Put away the sword. Leave room for God to work. And third, hard too, show kindness to your enemies. Show kindness to your enemies. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, you've heard it say, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be the children of the Father in heaven. Our birthmark is love. And we need to show kindness. Does that make sense? Not at all. The world will not understand it. The world will attack and we'll show kindness. Why? Because God loves them too. God loves us. God loves them. We're going to show God's love to them. And so Paul Writing again in Romans chapter 12, he said, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, show kind, give him something to drink. For in so doing, you'll be heaping fiery coals on his head. Paul said, show kindness to your enemies. When the world attacks us, don't retaliate, but show kindness. Burger T. Washington was an American educator, found Tuskegee University in Alabama. He wrote, I will not allow any man to make me lower myself by hating him. The only way I can destroy my enemy is to make him my friend. That's how we fight the world. If you try to use the world system to fight the world, you're going to lose. And you lose your witness. But we respond with kindness and love. You see, the world hates us because we're going to be different. There's a evangelist of many many years ago named vance havner vance havner just had a way with words back in the 40s and 50s he wrote about watching a parade a marching band he said every band member was in step but one person he could tell one person was just totally out of step and he couldn't understand why are you out of step and and as he got closer he realized in the person's ear was a earplug attached to a transistor radio and he was listening to another song he was marching to the song he was listening to not the song they were playing you know and Vance Habner said that's like us the world wants us to get in step with them they want us to dance to their music but we march to a beat of a heavenly song that's why they don't like us That's why Paul, again, Romans chapter 12, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Jesus said, you're my friends. And you have enemies who are going to hate you. But love your enemies. And I will overcome them. While he was being crucified, Jesus demonstrated this. As they were Screaming insults over his tortured body. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Is it easy to love your enemies? Absolutely not. It's hard. And you and I don't have the capacity to do this on our own. The only way we can do this is by abiding in God through the Holy Spirit. Because he is the vine and we are the branches. And we are to be his friend. In 1855, Joseph Scriven wrote a poem sent to his dying mother. He didn't live long enough to know that he put it to music. Most of you heard the words. He said, what a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and grief to bear. What a privilege it is to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. or oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. And then the third verse. Have we trials and temptation? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. We have a friend. His name is Jesus. And he died for you. If you hear this tonight or if you're watching online, you've never given your life to Christ. Will you do so? admitting that you're a sinner, believing that Jesus died for you, and confessing all to him, giving him everything. Will you do that tonight? Because he loved you so much, he laid down his life for you. Would you stand, bow your heads. If you're watching online and you'd like to give your life to Christ today, if you just text the word today at 270-398-5005, and a minister will give you a call if you're here tonight and you've never given your life to Christ. He's calling you tonight. And he wants to be your friend. Now, Father, speak to us now with clarity that, Father, will know it's your voice. And, Father, we thank you that you allow us to call you friend. Because, Father, we see what Jesus did on the cross for us. We thank you that he is our friend. But, Father, I pray that we'll be his friend. And do whatever it takes to serve him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.